1: Welcome to the Two Guys and a Mic Show here on the thetalkzone.com. It is NFL Draft Round 1 day today. I think it's a three-day excursion this year. They're extending the NFL Draft. We'll talk about that, of course, with our NFL Drafting Expert, Joel, the big dog, Rad to Got a little baseball to talk about. The NBA basketball playoffs not far away. and. Eh? And, being the semi-hockey experts, and emphasize semi that we are, we'll talk about a Game 7 last night, and we got two Dos my friend. We got two Game 7s tonight, one of them including Ottawa. Wow! Lots going on in the world of sports. We'll talk about all that and more. First, a little bit of music from our producer, extraordinaire, Mr. David Olson. And then, we will kick this particular show off, and today we are kicking from the 25-yard line as we were penalized yesterday. Tough break. what the penalty was for David Olson. I think it had something to do the beginning of our show when we talked about Mikhail Gorbachev and Sean Penn and the fine folks uh, that are in town today visiting some of the Chicago public schools. I think we got penalized there a little bit. By the way, uh, picture today Gorbachev giving the award to Sean Penn, but it's even better today. It's even better today because behind, I swear to you, behind Sean Penn, David, is the Dali Dalai Lama. So now in the in the triumvirate, uh, we, we've got Mikhail Gorbachev <laughs> giving the award to a disheveled-looking, and when is he not disheveled-looking, Sean Penn, and in the back, Dalai Lama. That's absolutely phenomenal, but uh, based on yesterday's show, as the Big Dog joins me here, we are kicking off today from the 25-yard line. Got a 10-yard penalty for politically incorrect talk yesterday. So, Big Dog, we will not be getting good field position. I will be counting on you my friend, to direct the, to manage the offense as we march down the field today and hopefully hopefully put it in the end zone at the end of the show and score a touchdown, okay? Uh,
0: now, why do we get a 10-yard penalty for lack of being politically correct?
1: I, you know, I'm not sure. I, I need to go back and read the script. I was informed right before the show that we did get flagged by the uh, general manager, the commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting, so I can't give you the specifics but I think it has something to do with um, possibly my comments about Mikhail Gorbachev's wife, Ryza.
0: Uh Okay, that's good. Maybe that's possible, but like being politically correct is another way to say is is you're a person who lies because you don't have enough balls to actually tell people how you feel.
1: Ah, poignant. Very poignant, Big Doug. Not bad from a guy who's been studying the NFL draft board for the last 48 hours. That was... Uh, you cut through a lot of rigmarole right there. Very poignant. So
0: no, I believe in that. Seriously, yeah. oh, I don't want to really say how I feel, so I'm just going to say something that no, was so vanilla that I, no one. No, that's basically how people like live their lives nowadays. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Political political correctness has gone way too far. No question about it. it. In it the has. media and from politicians. I saw a YouTube video of a Barack Obama appealing to. It was for National African American Month. And it was a beautifully done video, very uh, low-key, not invasive in nature. Uh, I found it somewhat deeply emotional. And I had two or three of my ultra-right-wing conservative friends send me a copy of the YouTube tape saying, oh, you know, well, if the white people did this, you know, if we did this honoring white America, you know, people would be all over the place, it's racist and everything. What a bunch of garbage.
0: No, 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 That's your friends are right. No, they aren't. Oh, my goodness. Coach, this is just just face the fact. Don't uh, I, I, honestly, are you being are, are you that lacking in in common sense? Can you imagine if I did that? Hey, let's have White Awareness Month. Oh my, I'd be called a racist.
2: Yeah, well, don't, don't act like
0: don't act like it isn't. Don't let's be honest about it. Seriously, Coach, maybe your friends should not be getting all upset about it. That's one thing. Yes. Okay. I'm not even I'm not even get, touching that. I I could care less about that. But don't try to say that, that it isn't true, what they're saying.
1: No, no. I I was taking they, it they, I was taking they, it a step a I was taking it a step beyond the obvious big dog, and the obvious statement yeah, and I was looking, you know, at the bigger picture of that statement, which to me is really asinine and inane because they're they're trying to create controversy where there really was no controversy. It was a wonderfully done. Little two-minute speech from Barack to the African American community. So you're right about the initial point that it's like it's like driving. You know, if you want to look right in front of your car, that's fine. But you know, most people when they drive, you know, they they use their peripheral vision, look at the big picture, and you drive a lot better that way. That's a great analogy, by the way. That's a phenomenal yeah,
0: okay, but, analogy. Uh, but uh, you know, I understand. One of the best like analogies get- I've
1: ever come up with.
0: Uh but there is a difference though, and that's like in political correct you can't say anything like, Oh, it's it's not right. You can't you can't say that anymore. You just can't. Because if you do all of a sudden you'll be considered racist. Even right now I'm treading on like racist water because you know, <laughs> I just set simple the fact that yeah, you know, white people can't say, Hey, let's have a white history month. Yep. You know, you just can't
1: right. I'll tell you what, I'll pass the emails out of my ultra right wing friends and the four of you can have a uh tremendous time together but i think my brilliant car analogy we started with the ball on about the eight yard line today big dog i think i just caught your pass and took it about 15 18 yard we're already out at the 32 yard line we got a little room to work
0: we have plenty of room to work because we really haven't done any work yet
1: hey take it easy i just came up with one of the best analogies i have in my history come on okay come on man come on man I can't see the screen. David Olson, telling me we got a phone call. I got no screen working. All right, well now David's coming. Whoever's on the line, hang on. We're trying to get our technical difficulties under control. But, Big Dog, uh, before we go out to the call where it is, NFL Draft Day, I know you did a lot of homework approximately. What time did you stay up till last night preparing <laughs> for this particular show?
0: Uh, I'd have to say about 1.30 last night, Coach. Nice. Not bad. I woke up at 7.30, got a run on this morning, and – uh know, and I I went through the draft, I kept doing my mock drafts and I'm thinking right now that uh uh the Redskins are gonna somehow make another trade and sell their soul somehow. And I'm trying to figure out if they can even move up and try to grab both quarterbacks with the first and second pick. Wow. So I messed around. I'm just kidding. wow.
1: I I'm so into the NFL draft I woke up in the middle of the night and started having flashbacks of Wisconsin center Peter Kantz and the Bears taking him with the 19 pick, and I don't even know who Peter Cons is. I just read about the guy, but all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I can't get back to sleep. I'm thinking about that's Peter that's Kahn's, his snap, and his explosion post-snap.
0: He's that one of the best centers that's come out of college football since probably Dave Remington. Of course, he didn't end up pan, panning out. Love Dave Remington. But, uh, yeah, he was, uh, the Pouncey kid, obviously, from Florida, is the best center that's come out in the last like, 15 years. So Tim, right. Those are the last two guys.
1: Right, we will tap the uh, NFL draft sources of the big Dough Joel he has got all the info for you and hopefully a couple little surprise picks for you. 888 is our phone number. 888 463 Dial it up uh, often and early or early and often. Either way, out to the phone lines we go. He's been hanging on for a while. We appreciate the hang time. It's line number six and it's caller Seth. Check it in. Seth, how are you? Hey, Coach. Hey, Big Dog.
3: How you guys doing? Big so.
1: Hey, you didn't wake up. You didn't wake up dreaming about uh, Wisconsin Center Peter Com, did you?
3: No, I didn't. I was I was sound asleep. Good. (laughs) I'm glad I was the only one bothered. How's how's everybody doing? Average. Hey, good. Hey, listen. Um, I wanted to get your (laughs) opinion of get your opinion about this. Uh, you know, I know the uh, uh NHL playoffs for the Hawks, their run is over, but, you know, it's been still bothering me with that hit that Tories gave to Hossa. I mean, you know, it's great that he got that 25-game suspension. I think it should have been longer. Matter of fact, I think he should have been kicked out of the lead since he's been fined so many times and suspended, like, once. And, you know... With Andrew Shaw's hit, they're saying that it was, you know, not not you know it was on purpose. And instead of not on purpose, it really, in my eyes, it was not on purpose. And they gave him like a five minute penalty and threw him out of the game. And they didn't even throw Torres out of the game at all. Yeah, yeah, the, and no, he
0: didn't... Seth, We we Seth, we talked all about this last week, and I don't want to keep like I don't want like to I don't wanna keep revisionist history. The Hawks got—they were done wrong. The they doubled. the officials totally missed the call. The NHL the next day were like, yes, they totally missed the call. It, it was wrong. The uh, Bolin first of all it was was got a penalty for uh, punching somebody on the on the Canucks or the Coyotes right afterwards. So you can't say like they didn't deserve that. They but they didn't miss the, the penalty. Obviously there was a penalty. It was a 25 game suspension. You want to get kicked out of the league? The 25-game suspension is the longest suspension hockey has doled out in about 25 years. So, yeah, but, but, but Big Dog, I'm going to interrupt you. Enough. I, enough. And as a Blackhawk fan, the Blackhawks should have played better. It's, not, it, it's over with.
3: It's, 25-game but, suspension is enough, Seth. No, but what I'm saying is the officiating should have gotten something, too. Because you know what? You know as well as I know, in any sport there's an official... The officials are really horrible. And you know what? Some of these officials, they don't even get anything. They don't even get fined or anything for making a call. Of course they don't get fined. Of course they don't get fined. They they just don't get re-upped as officials. Guys that don't perform
0: well enough, that get graded well enough, they they drop them down to different lower levels. And the best ones get, uh, they don't have to worry about the test, and the best ones get to, to continue in the playoffs. That hockey crew will not officiate the rest of this playoffs. It's
1: already been determined. So, uh, big dog on that part, on that particular hit. Did they um, referees say that they didn't see it, or no, did an official of them,
0: all say he? Of you know, all four of them said that they thought it was a clean hit. Okay. All four of them missed the call. All of them. They were, like, and then later they were like, "Yes, all four of us missed it." And they, they, they. This has been. They were the worst officials. That game was like the worst officiated game in the all NHL playoffs this year. And the officials will not be working in another game. I forget all four of their names, but they're done. They're Seth, they're done. They're no longer officiating in the playoffs.
3: I, so they I'm, just glad, I'm just glad that host is alive because if, if, God forbid, something would have happened to him a lot more, I think the NHL would have gotten taken this under more consideration because, you know that's what, Choice is the number one enemy in the NHL. We all know that. But you know, I don't in, know about the first, number one. Well, I mean come on, Big Doug. You see you see what he did, you know, on Vancouver when he what he did to uh what's his name last year? I mean, you know, I've seen this guy play. He he's the most good player there is in the NHL. I, I honestly letting...
0: thought the Seth, the hit that he put on Seabrook last year, the year to the day that he put the chief chat on HOSA was ten times worse. But to be honest with you, I thought the hit on HOSA was very bad. I don't think it was as bad as everybody says. The hit on Seabrook a year ago was a million times worse. He came flying around and threw an elbow to his temple. Yes, he launched himself, but it was barely a late hit. And that's what I'm just—I'm going to be the one Blackhawks fan who says this. Torres got exactly what he deserved. He got a 25-game suspension. He's going to miss over a million dollars. And if he ever does anything wrong again, he's going to be kicked out of the league. Yeah. To be honest with you, you're talking about Hosa almost died. Come on, the hit wasn't that cheap. I'm the one Blackhawk <laughs> fan going to say this. Okay, I'm sorry, but the Blackhawks played like crap. And all of a sudden, everybody's trying to, like, go back to the host they hit. The Blackhawks play their crap. The host again hurt. It wasn't the reason why they lost. And Big, it was a cheap shot towards God what did
2: I love
1: the fact, Big Dog, that you stayed what up talk, uh, to man, one.
0: I'm done with the Blackhawks season. Why do we have to sit here and keep
1: on bringing up a real bad event? I was going to say, Big Dog stayed up to 1.30 in the morning preparing for the NFL draft. Gets up at 7.30 in the morning. He's got his charts, got all his memos, and got all his Thoughts and he's you know he's doing the reincarnation of Mel Kiper in the first question of the day, Blackhawk hockey. <laughs> why, don't, why don't we just arrest
0: uh, Torres and put him in prison, Seth? Do you think that'd be better? Stone him in front of the the uh, referees. I'm just I, I'm giving you a hard time. I just I, enough, I, I don't. I think okay. Blackhawk fans need to get over the the hit on Torres. It was taken okay. care of.
1: All right, Seth. Seth, good to hear from you, buddy. We appreciate the call. Don't stay a stranger and. Call us back right after the Kentucky Derby, okay?
2: Appreciate it, Seth. Eight 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 four six three
1: sixty seven forty eight. The phone number. Seth drops off and leaves eleven other lines open. Hate when that happens. Big. Do we got the big dogs. Uh, got the got the heat going a little bit. Got the temperatures rising uh, I, a little bit.
0: I, 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 and, no, I, I love the Blackhawks, and I know it was a cheap hit. I, I yep. think I, it's, it's, it's it's ten days now, isn't it? Or about a week.
2: Yep. I hear
1: you. I hear you. Uh, now, getting back to the NFL draft, big dog, and it, it will be now a, a little bit different this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Three days, and tonight is going to be round one only. Do I have that correct, Amento? Yeah,
0: I think this is. I think this is. The, they've changed it up a bunch of times since it used to be 12 rounds one day. Uh, wow, can you imagine that back in the Oof, old days? Brutal. Because those interns that get paid like 4 dollars and 25 cents an hour back in the day because they were just working there because they you know they were hoping one day to work in the front office. Yep. Those are the only people in the history of sports that I would ever feel bad about were those guys. The guys minimum wage somebody right now 825 an hour.
2: You're talking about
1: They're the CBFMs. Ooh,
0: oh, those guys that work for the GMs, the assistants to the assistants of the GMs coach during the drafts, Those people haven't slept in 3 months.
1: What ESPN? Seriously, seriously. I thought you were talking about like the ESPN TV uh, interns because the, oh, where, them, you very, right. oh, where you very where you start right. out first are a CBFM big dog. That's what I heard. okay oh, what's that that acronym? CBFM is the Chris Berman Foot Massager. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. So you, you know you got to start somewhere, but then you do work your way up. Three or four years later, you're actually passing on key notes to. Uh, uh, I have one suggestion for Chris Berman. I enjoy the work of Chris Berman in the in Certainly over the years at ESPN, but one, actually a uh, two word suggestion for Chris over the next three days. Shut up and let Mel Kuiper talk.
0: No, no, no. I, I can't believe you said it because all Chris Berman tries to do is set
1: everybody else up. To yeah, but he, but he's like Chet Kopic when he used to do an interview in setting him up. He takes 80% of the talking time. It's like, it's like, you know, Derrick Rose with the ball in the final seconds of the game. He eats up 18 seconds of the game and then dishes the ball to the wall. Dang, and the wall is supposed to do with something. You know, if you are got to set up somebody, give them some time to be set up. Another phenomenal analogy by me. Thank you.
0: I I think Berman does a phenomenal job at the draft. I'm rolling. I could every I couldn't disagree with you more. You're talking about hours. you got six hours, 15 minutes in between picks. Any person that can go up there and fill in that time is a freaking God. I don't care how they do it. I I think I could do it. I really do, Coach. You can let me study for about two weeks on all these players, sit down in front of a camera, and I'll give you six hours of entertainment. You're going to be like, yeah, you talk too much. I'll be like, you know what, and six hours worth of talking too much, you're exactly right.
1: The first time I've agreed with you all morning is the fact that uh, you think you could do it, because I never doubted that. I think you would be absolutely a fish in water. I mean, that would be uh, you in your element. You could absolutely it. I would want
0: to in. do it with Mike Mayock, though, Coach. I really would want to do it with Mike Mayock. He's and good. And I, I, I missed his – he did a one-hour Mike Mayock uh, draft special. Yep. I mean, that's all I needed to see, and I missed it last night. And yep. hopefully it's on the NFL Network repeated today.
1: Because, I love uh, Mike, Mike Mayock. I could watch – uh, I, I watched Mike Mayock do a one-hour documentary on the history of asphalt. On the History Channel, it was thoroughly entertaining.
0: You know coach I I find it really funny that you like Mike Max so much because the man has no sense of humor when it comes to football zero yeah. I have never heard him even he is so serious so passionate so dedicated to the game of football He would never even, he doesn't even, he'll he'll smile, you know what I mean? Because he just loves the game so much. I've never heard him joke at all about the game. And that's Mm -hmm. totally unlike the guy that you normally would like, I would think. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, you're right. But
1: I I happen to like, he's the guy who does color on the Notre Dame game. Just making sure I get the right guy, right?
0: Um, uh, this year, didn't he just start doing the Notre Dame game this year? Yes. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, Uh I didn't even know who he was. I I, I remember commenting to you after the first couple of games. The dude doing the uh, Notre Dame case that guy's really, really good. And I proceeded to uh, listen to him through some very painful Notre Dame losses. But, uh, yeah, he's – and he did some NFL, too, didn't he?
0: Um, coach, he is the NFL Network's play-by-play guy, or, or, or excuse me, color guy for uh, mm-hmm. their games. And he's, like, their expert analysis, whatever they do, anything. Mm-hmm. He's, like, their expert guy.
2: So right. like,
0: you know, they have Warren Sapp and Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin – they get out on there and they, they, they they ask like they go they do interviews and they ask real tough questions like what's it like to to be a receiver and watch the ball so much oh it's so tough Michael it's so mm-hmm. and then you got to begin then like Mike the, Max comes in and asks like the real questions how come you don't block how, <laughs> how come you don't work on your route running you know it's pretty mm-hmm. cool coach I love you all, right,
1: all right very good Big dog, we're rolling today I like the. Uh, the the uh, role of the show, the chemistry of the show. Again, we started back in the eight yard line. I got us up to the thirty-five. A couple of good, solid four-yard runs by you. We're up to the forty-seven. Got, We're about I, to I cross. I got tackled a couple of hard times by Seth. Yes, the uh, the Seth phone Seth call. Track. I would Ooh. call that was it was that was like a sack. But he we he made a. He hammered me. Huh?
2: Man,
0: Seth, let me have it during that. <laughs> inter- <walk>. Seriously, Seth, <laughs> give me a break, there, man. Come on, he's hammering me.
1: Uh, all right, we need to cross midfield though and get into enemy territory here. Let's talk NFL draft. Getting full lines open. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. One guy that we haven't mentioned that's been talked about on uh, some other shows, a potential bear draft pick. And I remember two years ago, maybe even three when he was a freshman, saying that I really like this kid, talking about the wide receiver from Notre Dame, Michael Floyd. I know he had some off field issues, and then uh was it last year where in his Co-Patriot. Who's the, who was the other receiver, uh, with the, with the, with the famous Golden name? Golden Tate. Huh?
0: Golden Tate.
1: Yes. Golden Tate. How can you compare with Golden Tate? And Golden Tate had kind of the breakout year and took some of the pub away from Michael Floyd. And I always felt big, though. And I'd like to hear your expertise on this, that Michael Floyd is an NFL receiver. Golden Tate is an occasional flap. But I think Michael Floyd is big time. And as an addendum, let us remember the quarterback issues and the Brian Kelly and Charlie Weiss wacko coach factor that put fear yeah. into the passing game. I think you put Michael Floyd with a coach that actually lets him relax and lets the quarterback relax. I think the guy's a big-time NFL receiver.
0: Uh, the only player that possibly – and I, I, he won't be there, but the only player that you would take ahead of Michael Floyd if he was there at 19 would be uh, Melvin Ingram of South Carolina. Okay. If Melvin Ingram who's supposed to go around 13 or 14, falls to 19 – that would be the only guy you would take ahead of Michael Floyd. But I can't imagine both of those guys falling that far. They're probably going to be plucked right in the teens right before the mm-hmm. before the Bears actually get a chance. I'm going to agree with you real quick on that. When Golden Tate and Michael Floyd were at Notre Dame, in the first game of the year, you're going to remember this. You probably forgot, but you'll remember now. He separated his shoulder, Coach, didn't he? He played the whole season with a separated shoulder, and Golden Tate had this bust-out season it was because the best player on the team, Michael Floyd, was playing with a separated shoulder and drawn up a double coverage while Golden Tate was in single coverage on the other side. Mm-hmm. So like when people are like, well, Golden Tate is only average or at best for as a rookie receiver last year, it's not even comparable. I, I couldn't agree more on you. Michael right. Floyd is a legitimate first-round okay. uh, wide receiver.
2: Cool.
1: Very cool. And, and I'm assuming you would consider Justin Blackman still the premier number one pick
0: Okay, at, at wide receiver. Let's face it, wide receivers are very difficult to figure out if uh they're the best player or not. I, I you know, but <clears> the Rams if they luck out the Rams are gonna take Justin Blackman with the second overall pick. Okay. Is that with good? It looks like Terrell Owens. What's that?
1: With the second
0: overall? They were gonna take Justin oh. Blackman with the second overall pick. Okay. Okay, and they were like, you know what? Justin Blackman is great, but we need so much we are gonna trade this pick to the Redskins. So now that the Rams have the sixth pick, and guess what? Justin Blackman is going to fall in their lap. If the Rams get Justin Blackman with the sixth pick, just because so many different needs of the teams above them, they're going to get the they're going to get maybe the best player in the whole entire draft in the in the sixth pick.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking. You know, did Brandon Weeden, the quarterback, did he helped make Justin Blackman yeah, or he did he Justin?
0: Absolutely did. Yeah, he did. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a wide receiver who let his quarterback help him. A wide receiver was a team leader. Never complained about the ball. He didn't have to complain because every time he got it, he didn't have to say, hey, why did you throw me the rest of the Because every time you got it, he wouldn't score. The kid's a freak. He was the best receiver in the country two years in a row. He's better than Michael Floyd. Uh, Michael Floyd's got a, like, not, maybe a little bit more height, but, man, this black man kid's got the body. Wide receivers and defensive linemen are so hard to project into the NFL because all of a sudden you're like, whoa, they're out of the system, or Oh my goodness! Your defensive lineman that is now getting double teamed, or you're playing against real men. It's it's totally different. But I think Justin Blackmon is, is a sure thing. The Rams lucked out, coach. They really did. If they end up getting him on the sixth there.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the pride, if not the joy, of Mac Murray College, home of the Fighting. What's Mac Murray nickname?
0: We were the Highlanders.
1: The Fighting and, Highlanders. Uh, and, uh, Joel Radwanski giving us some draft expertise today. Here on the uh, Two Guys at a Mike show, we'll talk tomorrow, too, about second and third rounds and analyze the first round. Big Dog, I gave you a bit of a homework assignment. Guys, you watched in college football this year that aren't, you know, top chart guys, but that you said, man, this kid could be a player, this kid could be a player, and might get picked over the next couple of days that you think could become NFL stars.
0: Uh, there's, there's going to be players all over the, the draft. What I want, I want to throw this out there. How about this one? Uh This guy isn't going to be drafted really high. And this is a name that everybody knows. So, uh, you know, this is one that I think people can relate to. So I'm not trying to, like, reach for one here. It's just Kellen Moore of Boise State. Okay. Now, all he did was he went into Boise State when there was all these other great quarterbacks that he was competing against with that they all transferred as soon as he basically got there. He starts for four years, started from freshman on, basically never made a mental mistake in four years. I'm sure he did, but he was one of the smartest quarterbacks around. Every time they played a big time team, he rose his level and Boise State played incredible. He's, he might get picked like in the sixth or seventh round because they're like, oh, his arm isn't strong enough. Coach, uh, Joe Montana, that was the one thing. Joe Montana should have gone in the first round, but they're like, oh, his arm isn't strong enough. So he fell to the third round. He yeah. ended up panning out. I'm not saying he's Joe Montana, but I really, really, really like that kid. Now, uh, for, uh, I was telling you yesterday about the kid from Rutgers. That Wayne Thomas kid. Yep. This kid is going to end up getting picked like the fourth or fifth round. I would watch Rutgers games, and this guy would just absolutely hammer people. Just hammer people. So I, I actually I love that kid for somebody that you might not know that's going to be like uh, that's going to be drafted a little bit later on.
1: Mm-hmm. So. All right, a couple of kids to keep an eye out for, and Kellen Moore, of course, uh, we've all seen play, and you can say he can't do this and he can't do this, but the one thing he has proven. Over the four years he spent at uh, beautiful Boise State, is he can put up the W? He won, and he did it consistently with a team that was not used to going eleven and one every season.
0: Yeah, and not at all. Now, you, now talk about like another guy. You have to come in more, Moore. You know, he starts winning. Uh, do you know you know how Florida International came out of nowhere this year, Coach? They went to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. You're kidding by the name of Ty Hilton, and he's basically he went to Florida International. I guess uh, Miami missed his kids somehow and he's the Devin Hester of this draft. And he's if it, he probably would have been picked in the seventh round six years ago, but then ever since Devin Hester was selected in 06, now all of a sudden, you know, players are getting picked a lot higher. So he's going to go like in the third or fourth round, and he is like he's Darren Sproles. He's that kid, so watch out electrifying
1: Very good. 888-463-6748. Our phone number here if you want to check in with NFL draft expert. Again, the pride and joy of the Murray Highlander, Joel Radwanski checking in here And the two guys at a mic show. we got an email coming in from uh, Grind and Groin. Grind mm-hmm. and Groin wants to know, sounds like our kind of guy, by the way, a blue-collar guy, wants to know uh, he thinks the Bears are going to pick defensive end pass rusher do you think that's a good pick, and if so, who? And I think the names are, what, Whitney Merciless and Nick Perry, the kid out of USC, too, that I've heard mentioned?
0: Um, yes. I I really do want them to take uh, the best player available. And for them, depending on who ends up falling there, now I would rather have Nick Perry over uh, Whitney Merciless. And watched every single Illinois game, and Whitney Merciless is a hell of a pass rusher, and he's a playmaker. He strips the ball. He's one of those guys that goes after the football, and that is awesome. When, you, when you're when you so instinctual that you realize that the name of the game is the attack the football and not the player, then you then you actually get that the, there's a new era of football that we're playing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I, I've said it many times. Winston Merciless is horrible at the point of attack, and what I mean by that is you, he's going to be playing either a five or a seven, which means that on every single play he's going to have to hit an offensive tackle. And if you're going up against a, a running team, and if the Bears are to uh, draft somebody they should take somebody that will help them win a Super Bowl which means that they're going to have to be able to play defense in January which means people run the ball if you have a defensive end that would rather just rush the field to chase the quarterback and is willing to give an inside seam in the running game every play you got to be retchy white you got to slam the tackle oh it's a, it's a pass play well I'm about to go to your quarterback if you can't play that way you don't get picked in the first round. You get picked in the fifth or sixth round, and you're a pass specialist, which is exactly Whitney, uh, Whitney Merciless should be on the NFL level.
1: David Olson, if you could possibly, uh, I forget the technological term, mark that. or What's the term when you want to save a particular segment? I know there's a professional term. I'll flag that for you. Yeah, flag that. Because, big dog, we need to send that tape in, A, to see if we can win a Lubitron Award for sports analysis. That's a winner right there. And B, more importantly, that was outstanding. I mean that's ESPN worthy. Better than better than ESPN worthy. I mean that's 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 solid breakdown right there, my friend. And uh, that might get you a job somewhere somehow on a show other than uh, a non-English speaking sports show. Thank you.
0: You see what happens is it, it's kind of like uh, you get highlights to uh, Whitney Merciless, and you're like, oh what, look at that sack! Look at him! You stripped the ball out of the quarterback's hand! Oh, he did it again! And then you don't realize that when they played Ohio State. Ohio State said, we're going to run the 47 directly at Whitney Merciless mm-hmm. uh, 25 consecutive times. And they did that. If you watched the Ohio State-Illinois game, all they did was run exactly right at him the whole entire game. Every play. Yeah. Every play.
2: And I, I also I remember I the, uh, the sophomore soft- like,
0: I dude, I would never take him. He's like, you can't. Yeah. He's like he can't play, Joe. I'm like, I know.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm not convinced. You know, he had the one great year. But we could also recall, as Illinois fans, the sophomore year, and I think we have the uh, tape David Olson has put that together in between flagging highlights of uh, you and me on the show. And believe me, Big Doe, when you're flagging highlights, the two of us, you got mm-hmm. a lot of spare time to work with. Well, <laughs> <But>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> here is the uh, highlight tape of the sophomore year. Now, keep in mind, he's a junior, so this is last year. Not this previous college football season, the year before of Whitney Merciless and the University of Illinois.
0: You know, he made a real good play that was on a the screen play in overtime versus Michigan, coach. Okay. You should add one play on there. Okay. It was a screen play, and he actually chased down the running back.
1: Maybe we didn't get to that part of the tape. But Illinois
0: uh, the... lost that game, sixty-seven, sixty-five. Didn't have an overall good game, is the best way for me to tell you either.
1: <laughs> As a defender?
0: No, not at all. Yeah. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, dog, and I'm assuming no surprises at the talk at the top, rather. Nobody's going to do any drastic trades. It's going to be Andrew Luck, RG3. No, no, no. And, I,
0: I am not assuming anything. Uh-oh. uh One and two, no, because there's already been the massive trade. You got Andrew Luck, and then you also, you have the Redskins who basically gave away everything to the Rams, and the Rams are like, we're still getting the same player we wanted, Justin Blackman. Uh, so, but still, so the Eagles have talked about moving up to get Don Terry Poe. Remember I told you the massive, massive defensive tackle that they were jumping over human beings and all that dude from Memphis? Well, the guy that should've like he's gonna should have got trapped in the third round. Well, since he jumped over a table and he's three sixty, they now he's now people are trading like supposedly the Eagles are gonna give up a bunch of stuff so they can get this guy from the Jaguars at number mm-hmm. seven. So trades, coach, there's still eight and a half hours to go before the before the trade the the draft starts. Expect something major in the trade uh situation. Not one or two, but Three through whatever.
1: Interesting. Don Terry Poe, by the way. And there's the uh, little... Poe, oh, Poe, oh, Poe, oh, as in like po, po, Allen. yes, yes. Don Terry Poe out of the University of Memphis. But um, the word on him is, you know, phenomenal combine guy, unbelievable size and quickness. But if you actually watch the tape of the Memphis games, big dog, Dante Poe doesn't make that many plays. That's what we hear.
0: Amen. Amen. Yes, exactly, bro. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. And I'm going to tell you this, this might sound crazy, but there's defensive tackles that I know that have played the game that made one or two tackles a game, and they were the most dominant players on the field. As a defensive tackle, you don't always have to make the the plays. But you're, he would they would show him, and he would get hit the ball to the, the win. he would just stop and watch the play. He wouldn't even run after it. I can't have a guy like that... I, to tr- give away draft picks to trade up for a guy that's going to watch other people play football while the twenty one other guys are running around on a field coach, there's no possible way I would ever pick that. You're exactly right. Interesting. All exactly right.
1: Back car. Bob emails in. He wants to know if there's any chance the Bears will uh, select in the later rounds a field goal kicker Elvis Widewright out of University of Southern Alabama.
0: No, uh, actually, they were going to they, they were actually going to just bring him in to give uh, Robbie Gold some competition. <laughs> They might not have to waste a draft pick on them. But they're not
1: sure. I love that. If we could have a goalie named Passmore, we could have a kicker named Wide Right. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. and in a uh, what was the bullpen stopper uh, for the? Was that the Orioles Pedro Stop is their closer?
0: Yeah, that that's a new guy. That's a good
1: yeah. one. Yeah, you got to be gutsy way, if you're going to draft a kid named Elvis Wide Right to kick field goals uh, for you, though.
0: Uh, by the way, watching the watching the Rays yesterday and uh, the Anaheim Angels, uh, we're able to score a run off of a. A reliever that came in and he walked the bases loaded his first name is grant what's his last name grant walk grant ball <laughs> <laughs> <Look it laughs> guy a guy walked the bases loaded and throw, had a run going yesterday yep. grant ball Yeah.
1: yep don't want to be a pitcher if your last name is Balfour. <laughs> yeah, maybe a hitter how, but... could, how could
0: his last name be ball if <laughs> he's a pitcher it's crazy
1: Hey, sneaking a little baseball talk in between the NFL draft here. If you're a baseball fan, you want to chime in, dog and the coach at your service. Good news, bad news if you call in. Good news is we'll get you right on. The bad news is you do have to go through the temporary pain of talking to our producer, David Olson, which at times can be a painful experience. 888 463 but it's like a shot, big dog. Yeah, you feel the pain right away, but it goes away pretty quick. You're pretty hard on him. Yes, I okay. am. Yes, sir. Well, with the salary he's earning, he deserves to be. Um, uh, again, 888-463-6748, but the big dog, the, uh, the actually great game last night. Too late for my blood, but the Oakland A's in 14 innings knock off the White Sox five to four. We had Paulie Canerco hit his 400th in the ninth inning to tie it up. So he gets his dramatic 400th home run and in true Paul Canerco fashion, he does it in a tremendously clutch situation. I don't know if you were awake for the fourteenth inning, but apparently all hell broke loose.
0: Uh, yeah, coach. I was able to stay up until five o'clock in the afternoon. It was really difficult. Ah. And I, I know, I know you're you, <laughs> you have to rush to the you have to rush to the the buffet to get to the you know the Ellery meal by four o'clock in the afternoon. I realize S- that it's
1: too, Sa- it's too late Salisbury for you. steak was overcooked yesterday. I was not happy.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. Uh, wife got <laughs> going for an afternoon game. I was I watched the whole game. I started of watching right when the the cup game was done. Like every pitch after that. And when Canerco hit his 400th home run to tie the game up in the ninth, okay, first of all, Stoney and Harrelson were bitching for two innings about the execution of the White Sox. See, no longer, because in is in, in the booth, can Hawk Harrelson just complain about uh, injuries and bad umpiring, why the White Sox are bad? Well, he actually had a, yeah, the White Sox execution has been horrible today. And I guess it was. M- miss hit runs and bunts and all this stuff. And right when they're going through this, acting like the world's over with, Canerco just turns around and hits a jack. And you know how they do, and put it on the board, yes! You know how he does that? Yep. Well, after he did that, he was just, put it on the board, yes!
2: Hell yes!
0: Hell yes! <laughs> Number 400! And I was like, what? <laughs> he lost his mind. <laughs> Harrelson lost his mind for 30 seconds. Because you know how Stoney does it yell in with them, And I think he, was, he turned to Stoney and was screaming at Stoney, hell yes! Well, you're not going to yell it with me? I'll yell it even louder. I swear, Coach, I had that feeling.
1: So like, I need was, to uh, no, I need to YouTube the uh, Hawk Harrelson call? Oh, you got to, Coach.
0: Yeah. I, maybe only you or I will appreciate it. The intensity in the hell yes could not be denied. It was a passionate, <laughs> like, MFU to somebody. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. It was not, like, joyous. It, it was more like whip it out and smack somebody in the face with it type uh, <laughs> hell yes. So. Yeah.
1: Well, again, it was a dramatic, you don't see a 400th homer very often. And the cool part about it was the White Sox were down 2-1 in the ninth inning. So, again, in true Paul Konerko fashion, he does it when it counts the most.
0: Uh, coach, his 2,000 hit uh, put the White Sox ahead against the Angels last year. Yep, His 300th home run put the team ahead. Konerko is just flat out a professional hitter. And by when the year's over with, no one's going to notice. And it'll be gone by the wayside, but... Canerco will be hitting three he he'll have 38 home runs, he'll have 115 runs driven in, and by the end of the year, now one bad word out of anything but positive will come out of his yep. mouth.
2: Yep.
1: The guy is just, a, you know, we've said it before, he's a pure pro. Absolutely, you want to look under professional baseball player, the model for a quality player? I mean, literally, you can't get a better example than Paulie Conurco. I'm not saying he's the greatest player that's ever played the game, but he is just a pure professional baseball player.
0: Yeah, we talk about, like, guys that get the most out of their ability. And you want to yeah. have 25 guys on it because they're a lot easier to watch. Yep. You know what I mean? When the, when the guys are playing at their best and they're getting mm-hmm. the most out of their ability, win or lose, you can deal with it. Uh,
1: right,
2: now if help if me lose, out.
1: But, 14th yeah. inning, I was uh, waiting in line at the buffet. A lot of angry seniors yesterday, though. Service was very, very slow. So about 4.30 now, we're in the 14th inning, and the the White Sox break through with two in the top of the 14th. Alexi Ramirez, my guy, with a gapper. Two runs come in, 14th inning. Nobody had scored for a while. Game's got to be put away. They bring in their brand-new closer in the bottom of the 14th. Big dog, Hector Santiago. And apparently uh, he gave up two-run homer to your guy, Jonas Cespedes. And then single, 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 game over, Sox lose.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, now, that's only his second-blown save of the year, right? Yes. Santiago.
2: Yep.
1: So,
0: yeah, hopefully this doesn't become a trend, You know what I Because he blew one the other day, and he came back, like, two days later and was awesome. So, he's going to have to bounce back for this, because that's, that's a pretty tough win for the, for the White Sox, because, they played horrible, and then all of a sudden they had a chance to win. Their pitching was great yesterday, another great day of pitching for 13 innings. And then to, to lose it that way when you think you're going to grab a win, uh, that's awful tough. And uh, the Cepettis kid, you know, I'm getting a, a, a lot of grief over Twitter just saying, you know, this kid, the 5'2 player is going to be all right. And they're like, he's done nothing yet. You're right, he's only hitting like 240, and he's only got like four home runs. But don't forget, the kid has been playing – professional, American professional baseball now for a month, okay? made like six weeks if you're included, uh, you know, basically the spring training game. He's phenomenal, Coach.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. He's good. He's compared to Bo Jackson, and that's exactly what he is. He's going to strike out 180 times this year, but he's going to hit 280 with 30
1: homers. Yeah, it was a big two-run homer in the uh, bottom of 14, no question about it for Oakland. And uh, the pitching you're talking about, Chris Sale, he looks good. (laughs) Chris Sale's gonna wow. be a tough pitcher. He went eight innings. And the bullpen was phenomenal up until the uh, the fourteenth. What? Will Ullman, Nate Jones, Addison Reed, Matt Thornton. I mean, they just they set him up and mowed him down.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Matt Thornton seems to be back to prior two thousand and eleven form. Yep, because you know, he, for three years he was as good of a left handed reliever as the American League had, mm-hmm. and. He had a bad year last year and I, yesterday he was just buzzing him in there. So he looked, uh, he, he looked like he might be back with a
1: mm-hmm. the pale hope. All right. Cardinals beat the Cubs five to one. They salvage one of the games in that series. Cubs still win it two out of three. Uh, 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 not much to say about the game. I will ask you though, Lance Lint, the St. Louis Cardinal pitcher. He's now four and zero, the first four game winner in Major League Baseball. Ronnie Santo, if you could tell the listeners a little bit about a guy I've never heard of before, Mr. Lance Lint.
0: Do you want me to do the Santos stick, or do you actually want to know anything about the guy?
1: Actually, tell me about him.
2: He's, uh,
0: you know, he was a reliever last year, and basically, he's got a two—he's got a 2 steam fastball coach which rides in on you, and he's like what, the one pitcher in uh, the National League Central that isn't afraid to throw inside, and that's all he did all day long. He kept breaking bats on the Cubs. It looked like the ball is right down the middle. It would fly back in on them, right on their hands, and bust bats. And uh, the kids—I mean, he's. Here's what happens with the Cardinals. He wasn't supposed to start, but then they get a couple injuries. Chris Carpenter goes down, and now they this kid, now he ends up being the best pitcher in the National League so far through four games in the year. He's the first four game winner, and basically they're like, "Oh, okay, we have a replacement for Carpenter." By the time Carpenter comes back, you know this guy will come back to normal, and Carpenter will be fresh for the mm-hmm. playoff run. I don't know what what the Cardinals have done they have sold their soul or something. Everything works out for that freaking
1: team. Yeah, and you thought, you know, stuff like that, you know, Tony La Russa and Dave Duncan, the the duo yeah. that we're so responsible for, they're gone now. So you thought maybe a little bit of that magic would not be there. I don't know if it's residue or it runs deeper in the St. Louis Cardinals system. But those two guys are gone. But a guy like Lance Lynn comes through and uh, not only fills him, but but excels in replace of their the great pitcher, Chris Carpenter.
0: Yeah, you know, they, they, like them and the twins, they had like this philosophy. Yep. Pitchers who throw strikes and put fielders behind them that and go catch the ball. And then after that, we can see if you can hit. And mm-hmm. the, it's work out for the, And by the way, the Cardinals can flat out hit. How, they're crushing the ball so far this year. Yep. I'm, I'm just, they're, they're killing it, the Cardinals.
1: Yep. Hey, real quick of the baseball roundabout wrap-up, not any dramatic happenings yesterday, but. Uh, Baltimore did defeat Toronto 3 to nothing. The Orioles now 11-7. and seven. They are in first place in the American League East. Let me repeat that for all our friends in the Maryland County area. Baltimore at 11-7 and seven in first place in the American League East. Thank you. I felt good to say, Big Dog, because it's been about 18 years since I've been able to say that.
2: And,
0: you know, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know really to believe it or not. I mean, eighteen games that's one ninth of the season, a season eleven percent of the season they played in their first place.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he, but Brian Mattis, you know Jimmy Johnson is their closer. I mean they do have Adam Jones and Nick Mercakis who are the two extremely underrated outfielders. Adam Jones is like the superstar nobody in the league knows. Him and Andrew McCutcheon are my guys. Like the. These great young center fielders are still, like, 25. Mm-hmm. But, you Coach, you don't have much after that. I, I don't expect this to last. So, hopefully, I I, I would love to have the Orioles turning around. It would be nice to see the Orioles and the Royals turning around and have some decent right. seasons. I'm, I'm I,
2: having... I,
0: I still going to end up in last place. The first-place team will be in last place when the
1: season's done. That's probably true. Probably true. But I can only hope for the Baltimore fans and that – Beautiful park, Camden Park, which has had way too many empty seats in the last uh, five to ten years. And I I still go back to my childhood, big dog. And, uh, you know, Boo Powell, Davey Johnson, Mark Belanger, Brooks Robinson, first to third, Paulie Blair out in the outfield. And my absolute favorite catching combination of all time, righty-lefty, Elrod Hendricks, the lefty, and Andy Etchebaran, the right-hander. Love the Orioles back then.
0: Earl Earl Weaver was huge on the platoon. When when I when I was growing up in the early eighties I was like hold up it's it's Cal Rifkin, it's Eddie Murray, and then it's all other seven positions are platooned. Seriously, and everybody was bad. But like John Lowenstein you know, he couldn't hit a lefty. You put him against a righty, he'd be unbelievable. You know, that's just how the Orioles have always done it that way. we mm-hmm. had a couple superstars and a bunch of guys that can field and hit against either a lefty or a righty. Right,
2: well,
1: we'll see but, what happens. But uh, right now they're atop the American League East. Real quick, one streak uh, continues. One streak is over. Kansas City knocks off Cleveland 8-2. The 12-game losing streak is over. It's all over. And Anaheim on the other side of it, they lose to Toronto Big dog Albert Pujols, who started off slow. Started to hit a little bit. He's back in an O for 19 streak. Albert Pujols, unheard of.
0: No, I wouldn't say unheard of. He started out real horrible last year, if you remember. So what, what's kind of unheard of, Coach, is early on, you long outs, atom balls, line drives right at people. You know, the last yesterday, he didn't hit anything hard. He looked bad. Pop it up, laid on fastballs, curveballs in the dirt. I was like, Albert Pujols, I've never seen him look bad. I seen it. he's gone, you know, like a week and, you know, had it, you know, three for 20 or something like that. Wow. I, he looked really bad yesterday, Coach. I'm shocked. Yeah. People in St. Louis are loving this, too, by the way, because, you know, the Cubs are playing the Cardinals. So, you know, I've been following what the Cardinal fans have been saying. And legitimately half of the Cardinals' quotes or tweets or whatever the stuff is, oh, there's Sir Albert Sooks, he's a traitor. And, by the way, People in Missouri think you spell traitor as in, like, I'm leaving you Benedict Arnold traitor, at Trader T-R-A-T-E-R. You don't know how many times I saw it yesterday. That was like a Cub trending thing yesterday. Look, Cardinal fans spell traitor like this. I mean, like we, It was all over. It's pretty funny, Coach. So.
2: All
1: right, real quick, a couple other notes getting off the baseball world. We'll try to finish it up with the uh, NFL draft again, but uh, I don't want to get too extensively into it because it's coming. And we'll be able to break it down a lot, but I do have to mention, Big Dog, it appears almost certain that we are going to have, finally, after many and many a year, we are going to have some kind of college football playoff and a legitimate national champion. Nothing I I haven't been pushing for, but I know a lot of people have, and it looks like it it, it will be here. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, still, Teddy Greenspan has been all over this. looks like they're going to make like a Final Four, which, you you know what that creates, Coach? More controversy. Of course. The final four, how long do you think it's going to last when there's only four teams in this in this system?
1: Yep.
0: Three years at the most.
1: Yeah, what what happens when a team that's ranked number one loses its bowl game but had a phenomenal season, they lose in a close game, and then the number five team plays real well and pulls out a big win in a bowl game? Well, the team that lost, are they still in? Or that number five team that, you know, had a big bowl win? Where do you go on that
0: one? Yeah, let's figure out how they're all doing all that, and I think they would be out. Who would be out? Sure, they, uh, that team, the number one team, would okay. be out. Is that, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just, I don't even know where they're going, so I, I shouldn't even shouldn't even talk that way. But I I honestly mean this. start you. my my friends know this. I don't know if you appreciate it as much as as you do. I don't know if you realize how much I appreciate this. But the Rose Bowl is massive to me. Yes, I agree. The fact that my favorite conference, the Big Ten, their champion, gets to play in the Rose Bowl, to me, is it's beyond sentimental. I just got chills on my back just saying it. I'm not kidding. I'm not making that up. It's real important to me. If every single January 1st, I was with my dad. We were watching the Rose Bowl. I don't care who was in it. Well, I am willing, as a diehard Big Ten fan, to give up the Big Ten's tie to the Rose Bowl in order for a playoff series. Wow. And I still want the bowls. I still want the bowls. Absolutely want the bowls. And I, if they did it my way, we would still have a bowl system, and it would be phenomenal. But I I do, I do realize other people aren't as smart, especially the ones that set it up. And, Coach, I set it up in guidance with television. I was considering television when I considered how you should do the playoff matchups, Because let's face it, whether or not we like it or not, the reality is that's going to be the first and foremost thing along the, the mm-hmm. people's mind is, hey, how are we going to program this for television? Yep. Friday and Saturday, four games, four games. Friday, Saturday, and then then the bowls. Oh my goodness, it could be phenomenal. So it could be one of the greatest things that has ever happened to Interesting.
2: the. Interesting, you football. threw
1: me a little bit of a curveball. The whole Rose Bowl thing, you know, the way you built it up, and then you, and then you said, "I'm willing to give that up." I, that was surprised me a little bit, and. The point I wanted to mention to you, Big Dog, it appears in the negotiations that the preservation of the tradition and the greatness of the Rose Bowl, uh, Jim Delaney is pushing that, and that appears to be a big, not a stumbling block, but they definitely want to keep the great tradition of the Rose Bowl going, even when they design the brand-new championship series.
2: Yeah,
0: so basically, uh, no matter what the matchups are, the Big Ten champion and the Pac-10 championship play. So what ends up happening is, if just say they had a four-team, System, and the one and two teams were clearly a Big Ten and a Pac Ten, a Twelve, Pac Twelve team. Mm-hmm. They would still be the the one the matchup, and then you would have three and four playing this. So it would it could jack it up, but if they, yeah. if it's only going to be four teams, you might as well just keep the Big Ten going to the to the bowl system. Keep the, if you are going to only have four teams, you can still have the bowl system the way it is and mm-hmm. figure out the final four after that. And if it means that. You, uh, one team gets kind of screwed in a matchup. Well, guess what? It's a football game determined on the field. If you couldn't win, sorry, sorry that you couldn't beat another team and your matchup was was mm-hmm. too uh, too tough for you. I, so, do th- th- you see where I'm getting at? Yeah. I don't want to give the matchup up, coach, but I am not so selfish about college football that know for the mm-hmm. betterment of everybody, I will just be able to say, yeah, for about a for about a 60 year run, the Big Ten had a really cool invitation to the to the Rose Bowl every
1: year.
2: All right,
0: we'll
1: all right. talk. Again, I don't want to break it down too much, but I do want to throw that out there because it looks like it is coming. So we'll break down that more definitely as the news comes out. Real quick, Big Dog, before we finish on the NFL draft, have to mention uh, I think we both agree the two best words in all of sports, Game 7. And there, uh, there was one Game 7 yesterday in the NHL. There are two tonight, Game 7, NHL. And last night was the best of the best. It was Game 7, overtime. I don't know if you watched it, Big though. D- I watched the end of that. I was disappointed. I didn't care who won, but I, w- I was disappointed that it ended after two minutes. I wanted to see a whole period of that incredible drama. Game seven, overtime in the Stanley Cup, as good as it gets. Not yeah, overtime, uh, like, sudden death, sudden death.
0: Yeah, uh, Cam Ward, I do believe, got the goal. Yes. Uh, oh, phenomenal, Coach. What, what a way to end. Now, there's two games out tonight, game seven. It, it, it cracks me up. The, on ESPN for an hour. I have not I haven't had the sound on, but every time I look up at ESPN, I notice that they're covering the NFL draft and now it may be a little basketball. There are two game sevens on in hockey tonight and there is no pregame coverage whatsoever on this freaking joke of a network. Because ESPN <laughs> doesn't own the rights to hockey. They act like it doesn't exist. It's freaking ridiculous. And the more ESPN ignores hockey, the more I'm going to ignore ESPN and become more of a hockey fan. I'm being serious about this, Coach. The way that they try to manipulate uh, uh, American sports is a joke, and I need everybody in America to wake up. And uh, when you're watching ESPN, you're like, wow, there's Game 7s going on and they're not even talking about them. There's a, there's a reason why. It's because they are purposely trying to kill the sport of hockey. And when they get when Disney buys hockey back in four or five years, Coach, wait until you see what ESPN is like. you will be like, oh, but all of this is just hockey on uh, coverage? It's watch
1: what's the name of the new channel that carries the hockey used to be versus what is it called now it's
0: now uh nbc sports channel there you go and and they absolutely overdo the hockey which is fine which is fine because at least you can get some type of hockey coverage you just go there so basically it's like you get your sports at espn non-hockey and i go get my hockey from espn sports but or nbc i'm making it a point to watch the nbc uh, like, their version, like, their their night wrap more than Sports Center, just mm-hmm. because of the manipulation of ESPN and, and ABC.
1: we right, well, Disney. check it out, folks, tonight. Ottawa against the New York Rangers, that's your preliminary game. And calling it a preliminary is not really correct. That's your first game, and it's a game seven, and following that is New Jersey and Florida. Set your uh tape recorder, because even if you can't watch the entire game, I mean, you do want to watch, if it's close, the uh, third period. And the overtime, big deal, because that, again, And we are big sports fans. I don't know if I put hockey first. I definitely don't on a regular basis, but I've said it before. I think the maybe the best thing in sports is Stanley Cup hockey, sudden death, uh, third period when it's close. So we got opportunities twice tonight and saw one last night as well.
0: Uh, okay, Coach. Now, you obviously know I'm a diehard football fan. Anybody that's been listening for the last 54 minutes can tell that. Yep. Tonight when the NFL draft is going on, that's secondary. I get uh, A team is going to be eliminated, and their season is going to be over with. In hockey, uh, that's much more important than uh, Mm -hmm. than the NFL draft. Okay. So it's it's like just just let you know, I I will not be the draft is the second thing I'm watching.
2: Okay. But
1: having said that, let's finish the show, Big D. We know you're a huge Chicago Bear fan, uh, position wise, and give me maybe your first, second, and third ideal choices for the Chicago Bears to uh, select at the 19th spot tonight.
0: Uh, Like I said, the guy that I want. I doubt it's in there. Everybody has him anywhere from like 12 to 16. But Melvin Ingram, defensive lineman from South Carolina, should be the third overall player taken in this draft. But he's too short, supposedly. And I guess when uh, he was getting off of quarterbacks this year and intercepting passes and returning them for touchdowns, it was funny. They still gave him six. Points for every time he scored a touchdown on, from the defensive line this year. They didn't give him less just because he was small. Just thought I'd remind that of everybody. Mm-hmm. And when that guy ends up dominating in the NFL, they're going to be like, wow, this guy fell to 15. I wouldn't mind the Bears even trading up for the kid. Okay. Melvin, be there. Melvin Ingram Floyd is. Gonna is be there.
1: He's choice number one. Who's two and three?
0: Okay. Michael Floyd is choice number two. Nice. Hopefully he actually wow. falls there. I, I doubt that's going to happen. Okay. And then uh, I, I really don't want to go Riley. Riley Reese, but I want to trade. Don't have trade down and then start taking a bunch of good players. And uh, if they could trade down when they have the 19th pick for two extra picks, I think that would be a really, really good decision by the by the Chicago Bears.
1: There it is, your one, two, three from the big dog. Dog, tremendous job today. Again, we started because of the penalty and bad field position back on the eight yard line. But uh, I gave us the initial burst and brought us out to about the 35 yard line, and then you methodically it really wasn't a big play it was just five six eight yard runs ten yard runs some draws you mixed up the play but you crossed the goal line at the end you brought us home my friend outstanding performance get some rest and i hope you can do it again tomorrow
0: i will be able to i hope (laughs) coach
1: all right i've reserved a room in the back here after the show david Olson has let me sneak into that room i'm going to turn off the lights and just me and my picture of stanford left guard david DeCastro. Are going to spend some quality time together. So, hey, you know what? If don't call Bears got me the next 20 in, minutes. I, wouldn't mind either. I could take them too. <laughs> All right, Big Doe, have a good night. There it is. David Olson, producer, extorter, there. Thank you so much. TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. We're signing off. We'll see you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Have a
2: great day, everybody.